what is color? Art station trending or... Art station trending. It all looks the same. Apart from the mantis shrimp, perhaps. The future is bright when people go to karaoke bar. It's an unusual experience. Am I expected to fall? It wasn't your fault. This is CG Talks, the podcast where CG guys talk about CG. This podcast is powered by garagefarm.net. A place where 3D cloud rendering is incredibly fast and cheap. Hello again. Welcome to CG Talks, the podcast where CG guys talk about CG, which is, of course, computer graphics. Uh, my name is DJ. I'm your host. And today with me, uh, I have the creativeshrimp.com team, Gleb Alexandrov and A.D. Burroughs. And we are continuing our conversation on different topics um, regarding computer graphics and specifically Blender. Uh, and I would like to talk a little bit about uh, the Blender itself and its community. We had an opportunity uh, to meet at this year's Blender conference, which was the first one after a few years of online hiatus because of the pandemic. Mm, but it wasn't your first one. Mm, but this time you weren't giving a talk. Yeah, I thought it, I thought you, you you would say it wasn't your fault. It wasn't. Yeah, it was. It was so good to see everyone after all these years, uh, the familiar faces, not so familiar faces, new people as well, uh, many new people. Yeah, I was the first like, time there. And every new it. day, there were new people coming. It was quite fascinating in that sense. Uh, yeah yeah that that's um yeah from the the uh the the conference is pretty wild it's so big now because you have to just accept you're not going to get to see everybody you want to see or even know or you know want to see or you know just it's it's very um it's an unusual experience it used to used to be i i felt like like a large group of friends getting together but now it's it's just um it's it it is an event you know what i mean it 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 is um there are several things going on at once it's completely accepted you're not going to be able to do everything it's impossible you can't be in all the different talks at the same time you can't be in all the different um community groups there's different kind of functions happening sporadic and just um off the cuff things happening, like going off to karaoke bars, you know, multiple, and like that, it just that's depends. The part, that's the part of the fun, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I've, I've, I've bars, even heard bars specifically. Like, yeah, I've even heard. Own, yeah, my only regret, that my biggest regret in life, is that I always miss uh, when people go to karaoke bar, and I know that Daniel Bisted sings, and he sings quite well. And this time they were singing uh, the song from Frozen or something like that. And I, I totally missed that. Uh, I will regret yeah. it for the rest of my life. <laughs> that, that are the things that are not streamed or recorded anywhere. So And then, yeah, and they also got this song from Armageddon. Yes. You, mm. you can tell that it's very disappointing. You don't want to miss a thing for, for mm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you exactly. don't really want to miss, <laughs> miss that thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I even uh, heard like uh, Francesca Sidi talking about this live on the podcast with Pablo Vasquez, I think, uh, when he told about this thing, like the simultaneous things happening at the conference. Like it's a deliberate choice of the organizer to make the event 
smooth so that there are so many people and they can still feel kind of cozy and then uh yeah so so that the conference doesn't feel like just a big huge event for for so many people at the same time it's like it's a little bit compartmentalized so that it keeps this uh this one-to-one -one vibe or like small community vibe uh, despite mm, yeah, it was smoother. growing yeah yeah, the, yeah the, it was. the main actor was like the the staircase, the round staircase. That yeah, everyone just like bumped uh, uh, on each other. Yeah, it's like they included the vertical design into their level design this time, and you you had to just constantly crawl the staircase, like up and down. Yeah. That was fun. They had netting. Yeah, you at always the very, meet new people at well. the staircase, and all the business chat happens there. So yeah, that's a good place to be. Yeah, yeah I never used might... to be afraid of heights. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> those, it's those sorts of things when you look down and you see the netting. Something in the back of my mind always goes, am I expected to fall? So... If you do, there is a yeah, one, one of the pr yeah. presentations in, uh, at the conference done, done by uh, Mitch uh, de Mantisa yeah. included the staircase as the hero, like he scanned it. Really, uh, with oh, his phone, right. and wow. he used it for the presentation, like doing some crazy stuff in his style with the staircase wow. as the as the Brilliant. model. So, wow! On the second day, we had a podcast um, uh, somewhere in the recording room, right at the top of that building, uh, uh, to be to be precise, in, in a tower, yeah. and you had to go to the floor number seven or something like that, and then then to this tower. It was a very cryptic place uh, to search for. And I heard that uh, our host, Captain Disillusion, Alan Milikjanian, uh, he, he tried to, to open some hatch to, to go straight to the roof or something before discovering that room. Uh, it, it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Quite, quite a nice, uh, uh, nice uh, impression for me. Like it, it was the first for, uh, conference for me. I just heard the impressions from the previous ones from from people who are, who are, like came simultaneously throughout the years. Like it, it seems like everyone who almost everyone who came to one of the conferences seems to come back <laughs> because it's like it's addictive, so to speak. Mm. Um, so. Uh, talking about addictive stuff, uh, one of your slogans is uh, drink more coffee and we will change the world of computer <laughs> graphics. So maybe let's talk about the future of CG and Blender inside of this future. How do you think the CGI future will look like in, the let's future, say, five the or The future is years? bright. The future is bright. Um, ironically, I, I don't drink coffee now. I drink tea. <laughs> Don't hear all that. <laughs> when we meet with AD, I, I, I always try to hook him up with some coffee, you know? Yep. Uh, to just, when, when we were in Warrington uh, recently, yep. uh, we were trying to nail as many coffee places, you know, as we can fit into our tight schedule in Liverpool, in Manchester, in Warrington, in the search of the best coffee. And I think Aid was quite impressed with a few yeah. uh, espressos, even. Yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I almost yeah, you never... tried something else. I, it, it, it escaped me. What, what was it? But it was a very fruity, very light type of coffee, quite pleasant one, very juicy even. So, yeah, 
that that is my thing. I just try uh, to infuse a little bit of that coffee vibe in, in into our meetings and conversations. And yeah, what yeah. what are we talking about? Ah, the future of Blender, the future of Blender and coffee and coffee. They're tightly linked. Uh, the future of Blender is in particular bright because uh, I think it, it is because it follows one of those bigger trends uh, in just how the world develops, the trend towards prosumerism. When you link like uh, prosumer or consumer and producer, you, you receive this new figure, prosumer, as presented by a futurologist Elvin Toffler in his book called Third Wave. Uh, so basically a new type of social actor uh, that emerged not so long ago with the introduction of Kodak first to democratize the process of uh, photography. And then so many different things, even pregnancy tests where you can do things on your own uh, without you know, the help of the institution and so on. And then we got uh, YouTube, then we got like this luxury of broadcasting to the entire world from the comfort of your pajamas. And then we got computer graphics that is actually accessible. It is still hard, uh, don't get me wrong. It, is st it still requires some budget, it still requires skill. Uh, but nowadays you technically can create the let's say Hollywood quality, like using your computer, basically. And that, that is something that I think uh, just fits very nicely into the paradigm of uh, how we tend to do stuff with 80 in within the creative shrimp uh, business. Uh, uh, basically, we, we try to close the gap between this highly evolved and sophisticated technology accessible to anyone and uh, uh, basically this the skill that is required to to make use of this technology that is the gap we are trying uh, to help close yeah mm. uh, I also wanted to ask about <clears throat> this uh, whole wave of uh, of new uh, kind of um, how the software is evolving like blender included and all all the stuff that kind of got introduced in the latest years like uh, the AI particularly, but uh, also the real-time engines like Unreal Engine 5, uh, everything, like it still has kind of like a hard uh, learning curve, but the trend is to make things as smooth as possible, like as close to the idea of the push, uh, the perfect render button, right? Uh, so so making things for uh, easier for people without much technical knowledge to, to do the art. Mm -hmm. It's still, I think it's still quite a long way to go to, to make it like really easy to use. But in some areas, like especially this AI creations yeah, with see, prompts. We see the first signs of that uh, button that just makes it. Yeah, work. I think it, it got people like excited that you don't really have to know anything to create something stunning. Like how, how is your opinion on that? Or But I think that still there's a room for, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think the concept of for knowledge, 3D graphics as it is, um, is the same kind of thing. 3, 3D graphics uh, means like providing you with some automated solutions to make it possible to do things uh, that it couldn't do otherwise. 
or to make it uh, a much more smooth process. It's like to draw the analogy of photography, where you can press the button and you just snap the picture uh, without having to draw it. Uh, it doesn't mean that it will necessarily, the AI will replace the current technologies and stuff like that, uh, but it shows the trend, it shows the direction. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. It, it is the same kind of thing uh, to make it more accessible, ultimately, to just anyone to be able to create images of any kind. Uh, it boils down to, to, to that general direction, to, to that general trend, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I still have a lot of questions to AI, like how ethical it is, like to sample the... Uh, in particular, the style, for example, of a certain artist. Uh, but on the other hand, it, it is a, a quite new technology. We will see how it develops. Uh, currently, it looks already. It looks pretty stunning at times, um, but sometimes it looks absolutely like a trash, <laughs> a total garbage. You know that kind of secondary, regurgitated type of look, very very generic, uh, not super precise. You, you have to play with wording like quite a lot to be able to get something in, in particular rather than some generic mess. But it shows mm. a, an enormous potential, I think. What do you think? Yeah, the, the, the tools, as you say there, are um, it, it's still just different tools. It's you're still the idea, <clears throat> and bringing it back to lighting for a second, a lot of it is based on what you decide to leave out and not necessarily what you decide to put in. Um, so that could, is more true from a conceptual point of view. So for example, um, you know, take um, take the film Jaws, for example, you know, leaving out a lot of the shark in the first half of it is obviously uh, a, a, a decision which was all, albeit slightly forced on them due to um, mechanical and sort of physical issues that they were getting with it. But artistically, you can argue that that was probably a, a strong choice. Now, that boils down to choice. And the big strokes, because you're still doing the text prompt, you still need to make those choices. As, as an artist, you need to, you're, you're choosing um, how to describe it. Exactly. And you hand, have to choose the output, right? Uh, yeah. So it, it also uh, boils down to just having a good taste. And that mm. is... Your curator of your own ideas, yeah, basically. Exactly. That is the main thing about graphics, about art, is just having a taste. It won't help you to acquire this taste. You, you have to have it, I guess, to be able to yeah. use the AI tools to the full potential. And to develop the taste, you need to, A, study the history of art, just look at images, analyze it, do all the classical steps towards creating great images before you can use the AI tools even, you know? So it, it, it still requires the artist, it still re requires uh, the process of, as you said, just picking up the best or the more fitting or the more appropriate to your uh, idea picking those like options from yeah. from the thumbnails uh, the mid-journey generates. You still have to like guide one, one this thing, process. One thing that I see as kind of like a limitation or like a danger 
maybe there's a danger, but like a tendency in this kind of uh, uh, AI tools is that they, uh, because they are trained on a specific data set, uh, they tend to lean to specific, you know, specific um, aesthetics, for example, that are more popular or like there's, there's more yeah, data in that. By, it all looks the same. <laughs> exactly. And that, that, there are even like prompt uh, prompt trends, so to speak, like people typing in something, art, tra- art station trending or art some famous, trending. Farm, right. famous artist's name. And they this kind of creates these bubbles of trending Aesthetics which are kind of evolving around the same visual ideas. And this is not really like super creative. And if you take a look at the history of arts, cinema or whatever, the really stunning artworks are the ones that really stood out because they were different or sometimes not in the right way, so to speak. But some some kind of author just had a strong vision that he wanted to realize. And it's kind of like impressionism. So, you, you know, you have the advent of photogra- photography, but yet a lot of painters would have been thinking, oh, what, where's the artistry in that? Where, where, you know, and, and f- but what it does is um, unshackle the idea of painting to represent simply what is there in the scene. You know, you can now interpret it. You can exaggerate, um, which you can do with photography as well. Of course, you can uh, enhance certain qualities of the light to, to make it ultra real. Um, yeah, there is a whole thing of uh, hyper-realistic paintings and hyper-realism as an art movement. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so I think like again, in, the music, in the music industry, there was like the uh, big shock when the new technologies in, involving, like, for example, the hip hop movement, like they were sampling the parts of music that they grew up on. And this was also yeah. kind of like similar case because they were kind of like building upon someone else's uh, thing, just remixing it and using it in a creative way. Yeah. But I'm glad you brought that up actually, because that, that's, that's similar in a sense to kind of trademark and copyright and, you know, these kinds of ideas, like things in our culture are so pervasive, Marvel, Disney, you know, all these kinds of things that you end up using those as building blocks for new things. But obviously it's like, ah, can we actually use that though? Because it's now no longer folklore; it's actually owned by some company, you know. So it's not something which is easily um, uh, uh, passed along from human to human in, in, in a sort of traditional way anymore, um, potentially. Um, and, and music is kind of similar as well. Um, and and from a culture point of view, it, it's when something gets devalued. So if you kind of feel, oh, you know, art can be um, just easily created with a prompt. The danger there is that you're kind of exposing a massive amount of the populace to kind of like uncurated art in the, in the same way that you could kind of say, look at the look at the top of the pops. What are the best 40 hits for this week? And um, I don't think any of us necessarily believe that that is the best music in the world right now. Um, you would probably look over the the decades to kind of think, okay, well, what's stood the test of time and this kind of thing. And the other worry would be with music, like you said, with hip hop, if, or with like a, a music, which is only three chords and it sounds quite simple and easy to replicate. Yet it really isn't when we, we know that something is, oh, it's just not that tune seems to be more melodic than this other tune or, you know, these, these, or it hits you on an emotional level, which is hard to distinguish. 
Um, but you kind of accept that this person is a, is a better melody writer than that person on average, you know, because again, human experience and context of who you are gets input to whatever it is that you experience. So <clears throat> I think that that is something which I think is going to be a while before um, AI can can particularly handle that. But at the same time, my, I think my fear on that is um, that the culture itself gets um, devalues um, the appre- the appreciation of art is is reduced because there's just so much kind of middle of the road stuff and the the the, the diamonds are tif- difficult to see them you know it, it's harder for that to sift to the surface yeah, i think that's a that's an unfortunate byproduct of uh, having the technology <clears throat> available uh the unfortunate byproduct of having this society of prosumers like constantly churning out stuff online that's like youtube you know i think this millions is and com- millions of videos just this is also like a generational uh, experience like i've been mm. watching like one one youtuber that's talking about a little bit about the music industry uh before like the 90s where there was kind of like the last wave of of rock and roll superstar so to speak and these were kind of like generational experiences like everyone listened to the same bands uh, and then it kind of when the internet got involved it kind of got very very um, niche everyone kind of gets his own tribe there's so, so many trends not uh, there's yeah, not, be, not like just naturally it, it be, became easier to just to be able to communicate directly with your tribe uh, exactly. and, and and to uh, to tap into these niche uh, markets it is called a long tail phenomenon where, where you have like uh, some really popular like let's say bands but also you have a long tail of less and less and less and less and less popular bands which still uh, have their audiences because nowadays uh, they can be easily like connected to their audience uh, by the means of internet obviously the same thing with pretty much anything the same thing with blender which is quite a niche product still i think even though it is a movement and so on and so forth uh it, it is still uh, in this niche of open source computer graphics and it's you can see how productive it, it can be uh to uh, to work with that niche to uh, produce content for it or to consume content for that matter mm, it's yeah. a very good thing very <clears throat> easily accessible means of communication yeah, the, the 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 sort of draw of Blender in the first place is because it is so open. So you can create a tutorial knowing, well, anybody's got access to this stuff. And it's kind of like the, the fascination in a way, the story behind it. You know, like on these talent shows, the, the ones that tend to do well are the ones where it's like they have a backstory of, you know, oh, I did this thing. Um, and then I lost, I lost this person who was really dear to me. And now I'm going to be thinking of them when I sing tonight and, you know, kind of creating a narrative. Uh, I think that's the, the, the narrative there really with the, the tutorials really is that it's, it's something that everybody can participate in. There is really no roadblock, you know, that, which is just in itself, just always worth celebrating. Um, and it's motivating and inspiring to con- continue to, um, uh, to 
navigate one's days based around delivering more stuff in that scene. Aside from, as we were talking, as as Gleb mentioned earlier, is is, is also uh, being attracted to things like games and other stories and and films, and wanting to help participate in in sculpting a mood and crafting an emotional experience for somebody to to, to help, kind of uh, maybe uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, the, the creating environment art, for example, for is 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 a massive. Um, uh, buzz as a an artist because you're creating let's say you're creating for a game and you create the environment art it's kind of like that that person is completely immersed uh within something you've managed to you've had a hand in it, it just kind of it's that validation and kind of eternal sense of of connection and and, all, and it just taps into these kind of deep needs as um as as people really but as obviously as uh, everybody is probably relates to these sorts of urges in different ways but and expresses them in different ways but blender is that thing which allows so many people to um not necessarily worry about having a super expensive computer or a super uh expensive piece of software which is re- which really really was um when we were starting it was basically wasn't anything else to be able to do this with and i think that's, that's kind best, of the new the rock and roll thing that happens to computer graphics blender yeah yeah and it's used, uh, it's, it's used in so many areas like not just uh, straight straightforward uh, computer graphics it's like when you see in the conference there are people using it to, to produce exactly. animal, jewelry exactly. or all kinds different of different backgrounds yeah. you see architectural visualization you see uh scientific visualization you see paleontologists using blender mm. uh, yeah. whatever you see music industry you see Hollywood, yeah. see all game, games. game development. Obviously, you mentioned games you know. a few times, and I know it's kind mm-hmm. of Tom Murphy to your heart. making game with Blender. Yeah, and I, I wanted to ask about this uh, because, like, the, the, there were was a like, latest post by Andrew Price, the Blender guru, uh, and he did a poll asking about uh, bringing back the Blender game engine, and you know, people voted yes or no or. Uh, something else uh, and what's your view on that it's is it a good idea is it bad that uh, blender focused on one thing and dropped the the ball on game engines i uh, i think it's it, it was probably a good idea uh that is my take on it uh, i think that was good uh because obviously nowadays we have godot we have unreal which is almost free let's say at least like free if you're an enthusiast uh super powerful unity uh all that kind of stuff that you just need to compete with <laughs> if you provide a game engine um and it would be strange uh, if you just try to compete with these monsters uh and at the same time you have to develop the 3d side of your software all at once, uh, I think it got a little bit weird, and they just dropped it and dropped for good. I think that that is my opinion on it. In a in a thought experiment, though, if they had an extra billion pounds, should they do it? Yeah. Should they do it if they had an unlimited resources? It would still drag uh, the software into slightly related, but n- not parallel directions. The one, the content creation, and the second one, 
the game engine, which is a totally different thing. Uh, would it be productive? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, maybe thinking... maybe as a separate pro project, something like that, but not within the, this uh, 3, yeah. 3D content creation suite. It's not. It's not a surprise that uh, Epic, for example, has uh, Unreal Engine, and they are rather providing links to to other softwares like Creation Suites and not developing their own tools. I think Adobe did that with uh, buying Substance, and now with the modeler and stuff, they they are trying to fill in that niche. That being said, I I love the Blender's uh, interface uh, when it comes to like conceptualizing the level design. Uh, so I, uh, I would definitely love to use Blender for that kind of thing, uh, if it like connected to some external engine, you know, for placing mm. the models on your level, uh, for that kind of work, that would make sense. But then uh, it, it got transferred to to the render engine itself. Mm. I I loved the the Blender game the engine. Game engine rather, yeah. The the, the uh, that was it was amazing to have that within blender but i think globe's right really the um having there are other things out there now as well but i am extremely um excited about the interactive mode because i think that that it, it doesn't need to be a lot doesn't doesn't need to be like massive amounts of tools for it to to to, to be really really uh, interesting um, to just have little experiences that people can play. You can, e even with an interactive, the basic bare bones, you could probably create some interactive experience, which would be, you know, again, in that realm of storytelling and, and that kind of thing. It's, it's going to be fun. I bet there'll be, I bet people will probably treat it like a game engine, even just that simple bare bones interactive <laughs> aspect of it. It will still, you'll still see it, I think. So we'll see. Yeah, it could be the case. Yeah, but for, for now it seems like that uh, that's uh, you know Blender game engine won't be the case. But there's Godot and other options. Uh, but the Blender is developing a lot of other areas, and I wanted to people would probably what... feel as a mess if we didn't mention, say, you know, the fact that the Blender game engine hasn't gone anywhere. It's still yeah being developed and by as people. As you mentioned, like, uh, yeah, Tom Murphy is mm -hmm. creating yeah, the game. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's open yeah. source, so every, anyone can pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, because you got the, the up BGE, I believe, and there's another one, um, and they're all basically it's still the Blender game engine. It's it's essentially just being, and and you can use the the most recent versions of Blender, I think, uh, with some of them. But th those intrigue me greatly as well, and I'd love to have more time to really know what I was talking about on that. But that that was, uh, yeah, they, they they that is cool. But yeah, as you say, there are a lot of other projects out there at the moment. Yeah, and I wanted to ask, we, we talked about what Blender Foundation is not developing, so let's now talk about what it is developing and what is the most exciting feature that is being developed and you are you cannot wait until it gets finished or Yeah, I think, I think EV Next uh, would be one of these features for sure. Uh, more real-time rendering, the more the better. Uh, but at the same time, uh, this is the conundrum. At the same time, I think that uh, Cycles got already almost fast enough with a proper video card, almost fast enough for real-time rendering, for real-time ray tracing. And once real-time ray tracing becomes a thing, uh, what would be the point of having ray uh, having uh, the uh, rasterization render engines like Eevee or the hybrid render engines that 
use some part of rasterization and ray tracing when you could probably just path trace everything right away. Like, what would be the point of it? Because ray tracing is much more elegant, simple. Yeah, but that, as you mentioned, it requires quite a heavy, you know, um, but it, yeah, but it, we gear. Can already, we can already see uh, like crazy optimizations if you watch uh, Two Minute Papers channel by Karol Jordan Fahir. Um, he, he covers that extensively. All, all these optimizations that take render times from two days up to like a few seconds, few milliseconds. Uh, and if you just continue this trend, you will probably see very clearly uh, that in a few years, ray tracing will be completely like, normally real time, 60 frames per second without any issues, especially with the sophisticated denoising algorithms kicking in, which use temporal denoising and other means of reducing the path traced noise. So. That is the question that I don't really understand how to tackle. Like, why do you have <laughs> to develop anything um, beyond ray tracing if ray tracing will eventually become real time and probably even uh, very soon? What do you think? Hmm, that's probably a good question <laughs> for a developer. For a developer that understands uh, you know the nitty gritty of how things work like yeah I'm, at I'm the same time like we, the... we love ev we love like real time approximations uh, it is uh, very close to uh, how actually game engines work and it follows this kind of logic and this perspective on how the computer graphics should be delivered so you, that you mentioned very interesting you, you mentioned cycles and how it developed to be uh, really fast right now with the new cycles x uh, release and mm -hmm. uh, all the improvements that are getting uh, better and better, but some some areas get introduced into Blender. Like I've, I've watched your presentation on Blender Conference 2016, right, about lighting hacks. And you mentioned like a lot of uh, nice cheats to, to achieve um, some effects in Blender mm -hmm. that you just have, just have to be aware and, and build it up. But, mm -hmm. you know, following the logics of the the perfect render button, some of these hacks get kind of introduced into or automated in the software, but still, uh, still Cycles doesn't have a good caustics. Like it introduced some level of caustics, but it's still, I've, yes. I mean, yesterday, seen... yesterday I experimented with uh, Cycles extensively using caustics, trying to make it work, uh, trying to render this classic uh, sphere filled with water situation, slightly mm -hmm. distorted surface. Cast, yeah, and I've seen you've, you've also dabbled with uh, Luxcore Render. Dabbled with Lux Render. So far, Lux Render wins, I think, naturally, because it is a spectral render engine uh, with a separate um, uh, type of ray tracing just meant for caustics, for guiding caustics. Uh, but surprisingly, Cycles uh, became also quite capable at least for, for a simpler type of caustic animations. All right, so so let's maybe talk a little bit about um, the color in Blender, because uh, I am probably every Blender uh, user remembers the, the times a few years back of the filmic revolution where new uh, color management okay. system in Blender got introduced, like the filmic transform. And uh, 
right now there's something new coming from Troy, Troy Sobotka, which is called AGX, right? Have you mm-hmm. uh, have you tried it? Yeah, yeah, yeah we we tested it. Uh, we even have a very small, very small bonus section within the course comparing uh, filmic with AGX. It's not even section, just part of the one of the videos. Uh, yeah, so far so good. Uh, AGX looks beautiful. I, I won't go into details, but basically it it follows the same logic. Um, of just making sure uh, that the output presented on your display isn't clipped or when when it is clipped, it is clipped beautifully with a beautiful roll-off of the highlights, let's say. Um, And so you get the most intense uh, areas of your image desaturated beautifully and that kind of stuff that makes it look um, like it's it ma- makes it look like like film basically like a film emulsion like medium that that kind of logic it, it has better handling I mean AGX of uh, some parts of this spectrum like the bluish colors but I, I won't go into these details because Troy will probably enter the chat now and just correct me um, but it ties in with the broader definition of color, the color management system in Blender. What is color at all? Like, where where is it? Is it like a psychic phenomenon or a physical phenomenon or something in between? Because if you have a look at all the illusions related with colors, uh, where you see, let's say, a red strawberry, and there is not a single red pixel in the image, all pixels are green and gray, and uh, you see the red strawberry, and it makes you question what color is. And it uh, this rabbit hole runs really deep beyond the displays, beyond the, um, let's say, RGB primaries of cycles, beyond all that stuff into the territories that are completely mad and completely unknown to pretty much everyone. Apart from... The mantis shrimp, perhaps. Apart from mantis shrimp, that has 12 cones, like this, uh, going through much more discreet, much more like gradual perception of color and light. Who knows? <laughs> All right. So talking talking about the color uh, right now, at least in my part of the world, is the world is getting white or whiter because of the snow and uh, Christmas is coming. So I wanted to ask you guys, um, what would uh, be like the perfect, the perfect gift, CG related or not CG related for uh, under your Christmas tree? That's a good one. (laughs) That's tricky. Speedier ray tracing. What else could it be? I don't know. Uh, A piece in Ukraine, perhaps, I would go. Yeah, yeah, our colleagues, our friends are now in Ukraine. So that would be amazing um, if the war ended and they have won. So yeah, that would be my my best gift, I think. And the free Belarus as well, (laughs) please, if possible. Can I have two? I think I think we we can go 
wild with these wishes, you know. And uh, so, and some coffee. And some coffee. <laughs> yeah, some good, yeah, some good blend to put yeah. into into blender. Okay, so it was a super great conversation. Uh, very creative, I think. Uh, so right right now, I'm much more educated in the in the topic of shrimps. I feel uh, <laughs> elevated in that area, and uh, it was super fun to talk with you. Um, an honor to have you guys. Here. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so yeah, much. It's uh, super it's fun talking to you talk. too. Mm -hmm. Great. So, so I hope uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot more than already enrolled in your lighting course, get to the Creative Shrimp family, and um, we'll probably meet. Uh, online and then maybe maybe in the next uh, blender conference or whatever the future brings let's hope uh, let's hope also Blab's wishes come true now the points of data make it beautiful and what else like now we are of better we releasing on time ah uh, yeah Thank you so much and thank you so much for the entire blender community for still sticking with us and for keeping us afloat uh, i think it is amazing that we are all together in this and uh, let's keep it this way let's keep like helping each other i think that yeah. could be a nice wrap that's that's amazing. That's really cozy with this guitar ending. It's it's that that, that kind of things only happen, you know, in the creative community spontaneously. So, Pleb Alexander of Life here for you at CD Talks. See you around. See you. See you. Thank you. Take it easy. Take it easy. At garagefarm.net, you'll find many 3D rendering solutions. Use coupon codes visible on your social media channels during registration to boost your account up to $100 of free render credits and check how quick and life-saving 3D cloud rendering is.